Do you find yourself becoming irritable and unreasonable, maybe without knowing it? How does this program of recovery help you out of that condition? Welcome to episode 336 of The Recovery Show. This episode is brought to you by Laura, Deborah, Jesse, Christopher, Janet, and Michaela. They use the donation button on our website. Thank you, Laura, Deborah, Jesse, Christopher, Janet, and Michaela for your generous contributions. This episode is for you. We are friends and family members of alcoholics and addicts who have found a path to serenity and happiness. We who live or have lived with the seemingly hopeless problem of addiction understand as perhaps few others can. So much depends on our own attitudes and we believe that changed attitudes can aid recovery. Before we begin, we would like to state that in this show, we represent ourselves rather than any 12-step program. During this show, we will share our own experiences. The opinions expressed here are strictly those of the person who gave them. Take what you like and leave the rest. We hope that you'll find something in our sharing that speaks to your life. My name is Spencer, and I will be your host today. Joining me today is Eric. Welcome, Eric. Hey, uh, good afternoon, Spencer. Welcome from a muggy, hot, sunny day in the 5th of July in Greenwich, Connecticut. Yeah, we got that same kind of weather here. It's, I don't know. It's between 80 and 90 right now, I think. And very humid. Uh, yeah. It's July. Hey. Highly irritable. Yes. You know, it is true. <laughs> it is true. The weather yeah. is a big factor in how irritable I am. Irritable and or just exhausted. Yeah. You have a, a reading to open with. I do. This is May 18th from Courage to Change. Life doesn't always go smoothly or peacefully, even though I might wish it would. In the past, when something bothered me, I'd say nothing rather than face an argument. It seemed better for me to be upset than to risk upsetting someone else. The results were usually disastrous. I would become irritable and unreasonable as I let resentment fester. Today, I suspect that adversity has value. I hadn't previously recognized. When I face adversity and deal with my problems or express my feelings, things have a chance to improve. Even if they don't, I release some of the pressure I feel. I'm new at this, and I don't do it very gracefully yet. Sometimes it's scary. Sometimes my words are not exactly welcomed. Nevertheless, I feel better when I realize that I have finally begun living life on life's terms. Looking back, I see how much I've grown. I wouldn't have chosen any of the crises in my life, but since that coming to Al-Anon, I've learned that every problem can help me to change for the better, deepen my faith, and add to my self-esteem. And the reminder for today says the Chinese word for crisis is written with two characters. The first stands for danger, and the second for opportunity. I will look for the good hidden within everything I encounter. And the quote Richard Bach says, there is no such thing as a problem without a gift for you in its hands. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, a lot in there, huh? Yeah, and you had another short uh, reading yep. you said from How Elanon Works? Right. This is in the soft cover in the chapter, another chapter one, Lois's story, but it's buried deeply in the book at page 158, soft cover. And it's under her step eight made a list of all persons we'd harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. And it says, at first I couldn't think of anyone I had harmed, but when I broke through my own smugness, even a little, I saw my relatives and friends whom I had resented and to whom I had given short, irritable answers, imperiling long-standing friendships. 
In fact, I remember one friend at whom I threw a book when, after a nerve-wracking day, he annoyed me. Throwing seems to have been my pet temper outlet. I try to keep my list of persons harmed up to date, and I also try to shorten it. So we're going to talk about irritable and unreasonable, and this was, I think, triggered both by some personal experience and in the suggested opening for Al-Anon meetings, there is this sentence, our thinking becomes distorted by trying to force solutions, and we become irritable and unreasonable without knowing it. Yeah, I'd like to start there because that was me before program. When I was living with active drinking, I was trying to force all kinds of solutions, none of which were working. And as you might imagine, I became somewhat irritable and unreasonable. In fact, I became kind of a rageaholic. Just the slightest thing would set me off. I know I've talked about this before, but it's important to recognize that this was happening. I just thought that that was the way I was. I didn't really understand why I would explode. You know, at somebody suggesting that I wasn't doing my best at work or somebody just suggesting an idea that wasn't mine could set me off and I could start just being at, at best very forceful and at worst yelling. And then I would get called out on it and I'm like, Oh, I'm sorry. I did, you know, I don't know why I did that. I'm sorry. I won't, I'll try not to do it again. And it kept happening, and I, and I did not know why. I didn't know what was going on. So the without knowing it part was really important. When I came into the program, when I heard that, when I heard that, I recognized that in myself. Yeah. Where did that show up in you before you got to Elena? Oh, God. Everywhere. I mean, everywhere. You know, we hear it in every single meeting. Uh, probably every meeting you go to, every meeting everybody goes to, because it is the formal introductory mm-hmm. to the meeting. We became irritable and unreasonable without knowing it. And the without knowing it part is the part that gets us, me, into trouble. Because then I react. The difference now, and I think I sent this to you when I first had the idea, you know, your immediate response when I texted you, how about irritable and unreasonable? You're like, I love it. You texted me back within seconds. I love it. Because for me, what I followed right up with there is that knowing it is the beginning for me of recovery. Being aware, being aware that I'm irritable and now choosing to do something different than react to it. And to me, they're tied so closely together for an obvious reason. When I become or get irritable or irritated, I can especially and quickly become unreasonable. I can react, lash out, interrupt, not listen. So now the key for me is the three A's, is awareness, that something's wrong. I'm irritable. So now what do I do? And the what do I do part we'll get to. There are solutions in our program for all this misbehavior on our part and things that make us uncomfortable. Our program has a lot of suggestions about that. For sure. I want to read this email from Kate. Kate wrote in response to, I sent out a a note to the email list, uh, and I should mention that we do have an email list where I might send out an email every couple of weeks or so with some topic ideas that looking for contributions on, or sometimes I have a, a share of something that struck me but doesn't really 
work as a podcast episode. Anyway, Kate writes about irritable and unreasonable. She says, what a great topic. It's funny. I remember the phrase, we become irritable and unreasonable without knowing it. It's one of the first few nuggets of wisdom that really stuck with me during my first few weeks of Al-Anon meetings. For me, hearing that phrase helped me begin to become aware of the fact that I really was being irritable and unreasonable in many aspects of my life. For a while, I didn't become aware of my behavior until I had already exhibited the behavior. Then, sometimes I could identify the unwanted response while I was giving it. Finally, sometimes, I can identify that my first response to a situation would be irritable or unreasonable, and after nearly three years in Al-Anon, I can stop the behavior before it leaves my mouth. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> as far as what I do instead of the old behaviors, I have a few different tools that I use. When I don't have much time to think, I will simply say the word God, or I might start the serenity prayer. When I have more time to think about how I want to react in a certain situation, many times I will contact my sponsor and say something like, blank happened. My old behavior would be to blank. I don't want to respond in the old way, but I don't know what to do. Help! <laughs> Sometimes just sending the email or text to my sponsor helps me to see another way. Other times I anxiously await her reply. You know, above all, the thing I've learned in this program is that sometimes I still do act irritable and unreasonable, and sometimes I even know I'm being irritable and unreasonable while I'm doing it. But Al-Anon has taught me that I always have another option. I can choose to treat myself and others around me with dignity, either in the moment or while doing a 10-step amend. Best, Kate. Thank you, Kate. That was a great share. I mean... What immediately precedes this in our opening where we become irritable and unreasonable is our thinking became distorted. And for me, really, recognizing when I'm irritable, that I'm about to be unreasonable, okay, it's straightening out my thinking and now opening up the idea that I have some choices here. I have a choice and, you know, an unreasonable response or request or demand or reaction is distorted because it seldom, if ever, helps. So thanks, Kate. Yeah, this, let's let's jump into the definitions here, because it's traditional, we have to do that, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, this is our thing. So irritable, and irritability from Wikipedia. The excitatory ability that living organisms have to respond to changes in their environment. Okay, so what? I don't yeah. know what that means. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah, okay. That's, that's very yeah. neutral. So down below that, it says more uh, more to the point here. It's commonly defined as a tendency to react to stimuli with the experience of negative effective states, especially anger, temper outbursts, which may or may not be aggressive, is well known to have similarities with the definitions of anger and aggression. The definition is broad, but certainly it encompasses, these are my words thrown in here, a low threshold for experiencing frustration. Yeah, so frustration, irritability and frustration seem to go hand in yeah, hand. Yeah, I see some other words here that you highlighted. Short temper, yep. easily frustrated, yep. grouchy or grumpy. Hello. <laughs> uh, 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 grouchy or grumpy. See, I think I might have used the word grouchy or grumpy to describe my anger outbursts until I had some clarity after working some recovery after probably doing fourth step and 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 it was more than just grouchy or grumpy that's for sure boy mm, yeah i was routinely referred to by friends and family as being quote grumpy 
You know, we've covered this in many episodes. I came in, I just had a permanent scowl on my face. Playing the game, guess what I'm mad about? Yeah, do we have definition for unreasonable? Here we go, unreasonable. I do. Yeah, not guided by or based on good sense. Well, that's pretty go. straightforward, huh? Distorted thinking. Yeah, yeah. I like the, the sample sentence here. Your attitude is completely unreasonable. <laughs> <laughs> but look at look at all the synonyms. I mean, there's like 30. Yep. It is something that people do, isn't it? Something that we do. Yeah. Oh, boy. A lot of stuff. A lot of stuff we don't want in here. Pig-headed, bull-headed. <laughs> intolerant, ludicrous, absurd, senseless, irrational. Yeah, I don't want any of those. No. <laughs> you know? No. Came but, in to get away but from it that does thing. happen, doesn't it? it does. I want to play a voicemail from Carol. Hi, Spencer. Carol from Massachusetts regarding irritable and unreasonable. Yes, I'll say to both. They are two ends of a continuum for me. And I can tell when I'm heading there, irritable is more towards the fear end. I can tell when I'm rushing or edgy or my mind is really racing or I'm pushing myself. Usually means I'm scared about something. And and if I don't catch it, I'm going to be somewhere I don't want to be. Unreasonable is towards the other end for me, and it's emotional resistance, usually, because by the time I'm unreasonable, I'm all backed up on something. And I can tell that when I'm starting to be disengaged or too slowed down, like lethargic, so with that, I need to move towards action. And with irritable, I need to pause. Those are my two touchstones. Thank you. Thank you, Carol. That's a different experience than I have. Although irritable coming from fear. I had a conversation with a coworker this week at the end of a meeting. He said he had a question for me. And could I stick around? And so there was just the two of us. And he said, basically... I've noticed that you seem to have a problem with me. What's going on? He said, can we reset, right? And I said, well, yes, uh, I have noticed this too. And I think it comes from, I get impatient when things aren't going exactly right for me. And when I get impatient, then I interrupt you, I... I stop what you're saying because I already know what you're going to say and I just want to get through it. And I recognize that that's not fair to you. It's hurtful, right? Part of that is just what's going on in my life, in the world right now. It's just I'm in a constant sort of state of irritability, a constant state of I want things to be over and be done and and be back to normal and and they're not back to normal and it's kind of looking like they're not going to be back to normal for a while yeah i can still become irritable and unreasonable and not always recognize it she talks about fear for me 
I don't know, it's exactly fear, but the, just the anxiety of life today just kind of tweaks that knob, turns that knob up, and makes me more sensitive and more likely to, to flip over into that irritable, unreasonable reaction. At the end, she says, with unreasonableness, I need to move towards action. With irritable, I need to pause. I really identify with that last bit. When I'm irritable, I need to pause. Yeah, I think you should listen to episode 333, Patience and and Tolerance. (laughs) There there is a reason we did that episode when we did that episode, isn't there? I think it's exactly where it needs to be in the progression here. She's talking about cranking it up to 11 and swallowing the knob, you know. I, (laughs) I wrote notes to myself. You know what I do now when I feel irritable before I become unreasonable, and it's it's all the things you would guess: pause, stop, halt, think, wait. You know, so I don't do something unreasonable. I, I don't like being unreasonable, but the difference now is knowing it. I now recognize it, and I can do something to change it. You know, move a muscle. There's an interesting article we can get to later about. You know, some remedies for being irritable and unreasonable. And one of them is to do something, right? Get up and actually do something, move a muscle. The other is to do nothing, is to meditate. So it's interesting. You can choose an action can be just say, God. I I use God help me, you know, Mm -hmm. when I'm feeling like Mm -hmm. I'm headed down a road Mm -hmm. to becoming agitated, uh, frustrated. You know, you can put that word in place of irritable, agitated, frustrated. Anyway, lots of synonyms. It was a great share. Yeah. As you were talking, I thought back to the little episode I did last week while I was out walking about isolation. And I've been thinking about oxytocin, the, the, the love hormone, the hug hormone, whatever you want to call it. And last night I was out with my dog and the neighbors had some very tame fireworks for their seven-year-old daughter's. And we were standing, you know, at least six feet apart and enjoying some company. And I had my dog. He goes over to people and he just kind of leans on them, you know, and you get that touch and you can pet him. And that's a very, very calming thing. Those of us who maybe have a pet that can give us just that, that touch and that ability to, you know, induce that oxytocin to just calm us a little bit. I think that helps. But as you have heard from me, I still get wound up, don't I? Oh. You know? Yeah, I love that. I just listened to it this morning, the idea of the self-hug, you know? Yeah. It's pretty good. I did it. I did it when we were supposed to start what I thought was going to start <laughs> at noon today. When you texted or we spoke, you know, you, you said, I'm unavailable between 11 and 1, and I, and I heard... You know, what the cat hear, what the dog hears. I heard I'm available between 11 and 1. So I'm in here ready to go at 11. I'm like, okay. Huh? Yeah, it's, yep. no, no, I said I can't do it. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So now I got two hours to kill. So I went over to uh, get some lunch. I have my dog. We're hanging out. And <clears throat> at my office, I went over to the bakery, and there was no one in the store. So I ordered a tuna fish sandwich, and it's now going on eight, nine minutes. Where are they going to get this tuna? I mean, (laughs) they make sandwiches for a living. It can't be that hard. So I did that self-hug thing while I was standing there with my mask on. And uh, it actually helped me to not become irritable. 
Cool. So Roberta wrote, she says, oh, how my higher power puts things into my life right when I know I need it. Irritable and unreasonable, I identify exactly how I have been feeling, but could not figure it out until I read your email. When I'm trying to force my will, my agenda on everyone around me, and they are not compliant, I become ugly. I can feel it in my body how uncomfortable I feel. My higher power has created lessons currently in my life to get back on track. I need to turn it over to him. I need to call my sponsor, reach out to program friends, get to a meeting. When I'm in God's will, everything flows better. When I force my way, well, there tends to be huge bumps and boulders in my way. If I use steps one, two, and three, I can't. He can. I will let him. Makes it much easier to deal with the situation or problems I'm currently dealing with. Thank you for the reminders. So, yeah, we are not the only people who are thinking about this topic right now, are we? I wrote in a margin while if you were reading that, the only way I can push anyone is away from me. I become unreasonable when I'm trying to push someone else or try to force my will on them is what she's directly referring to here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Yeah, it usually doesn't work. You sent me, I guess this is from Psychology Today, seven quick ways to stop being irritable. I see you've annotated it with some program. You left me alone for two hours, man. What was I supposed to do? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you yeah. sent me this PDF. This is like, <laughs> holy shit, it's like 13 pages long, okay? You know. Yeah, it's what you do. I know, I know. So seven ways to stop being irritable. Figure out the source. Figure out what's making you irritable. Remember that while your reactions might feel complex, the issue that triggered them might be simple. You wrote, keep it simple and easy does it here. Yeah. Yeah. Slogans episode 235 and 131. All right. We did both of them. (laughs) We did. We did. Yeah. I did have a lot of time. The next says reduce caffeine and alcohol. And, you know, that seems obvious, but it's not so much. I mean, I think sometimes we become irritable and maybe we drink too much. I mean, I know that I've never used alcohol to placate my behavior, I don't think. I don't think. I don't drink out of anger. But you did an episode, 112, on Do You Drink? Yep. And I think some people choose to numb it by saying, F it, I'm going to go have a martini. And I don't think that helps. (laughs) You know, I've heard it said, I guess maybe in the other rooms, and I've been some some of those that said, no situation improves by drinking. And so maybe that ties to this notion here. Yeah. Let's see. Number three, it's often the little things. Yes, it is almost always the little thing. Well, okay. Let me, let me uh, step back from that a little bit. Little things can irritate me. And if I get enough little things, then it becomes a state of mind. What is more likely for me is I'm in a state of, shall we say, heightened awareness and not in a good way. And a little thing comes along and it triggers me. It triggers me to react. And there we get that word again, react. I think a lot of irritability is about reacting, right? What do you think? What's at the top of this page? It got cut off for me, but it says something about the competitive person might become irritable when they lose at words with friends. I had to go find the article online, and, and there will be a link to this in the show notes. We often dismiss considering things that shouldn't make us irritable. This is, it's often the little things, even if they actually do 
For example, a competitive person might become irritable when they lose at words with friends. But since they know it's silly, they ignore the fact that their mother's triple word score vaulted her into the lead and triggered their internal sourness. Uh-huh. Triple <laughs> I thought they were talking about Scrabble, by the way. Well, Scrabble, words with friends, same deal, except, you know, Scrabble. See, with Scrabble, the other person is sitting across the table from you. Mm-hmm. Words with friends, you're already in this isolation state where it's you and your phone. I see. So I think that just turns it up a little bit, right? Because there's no person to take it out on, right? When somebody makes an awesome word on a triple word score in Scrabble, you can scowl at them and say whatever you want to say. When it's just you and your phone, for me, at least, it's going to come out a different way. I don't have that mechanism for immediate release. Or if I do, it's inappropriate because it's coming out on a person who wasn't the one who annoyed me. You know, I had so much time. I did look it up. Irritable is 11 points and unreasonable <laughs> is 14. Speaking of Scrabble, there we go. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, we're back to this article. Get in touch with your compassion. Feelings. Episode 169. We did it. <laughs> hey, there it is. Then imagine getting a hug from someone who cares about you. I just yeah. did it to myself. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. it helped with your irritability, right? Exactly. Yeah, and right. if there's nobody around, hug yourself. I like it. And then perspective, yeah, we did that. Episode 258. This goes right along with the little things. Like, how important is this really? There's a there's a slogan for you. How important is it? Yeah. yeah. I mean, this paragraph, we feel irritable about small to medium-sized annoyances, the kind we probably won't remember in a few days or weeks, so that's how important is it. Take a few minutes to remind yourself of the larger picture, the things that are going well in your life, the things for which you can be grateful. So there's gratitude. There's all kinds of program right here. Yeah. And if you're still on edge, then try rid yourself of nervous energy. Mm -hmm. You wrote move a muscle. Yeah. Move a muscle, change a thought. Uh, What's interesting is the last sentence, which is a, a reference to another article. For those who cannot use exercise. The entirely opposite approach works as well. Yeah. That's meditation, yeah. you know, uh, yoga, episode 151. Quiet and alone time, yep. Listen to episode 151, meditation. All right. We're going to have a lot of episode links here. I want to listen to this voicemail yeah. from Julie. Okay. You may remember Julie. We did an episode a few weeks ago. Hi, Spencer. It's Julie in California. I saw your email about irritable and unreasonable. And man, before program, so I used to get irritable and unreasonable without knowing it quite often. And I would just lash out at people, get defensive, and act in ways that I felt terrible about usually later. In that moment, I wouldn't even know why. Because Back then, I didn't know who I was, and I bottled up so many feelings and thoughts that I were not allowed to have growing up. But after doing the steps, especially step four, now, even though I still occasionally get irritable, usually I start to feel it on the inside of me, in my body. I might start feeling hot, or my heart might start beating faster. And I, I know internally now, usually when that starts to happen, and I know something's going on with me. 
And usually it's because I've been activated by something out of fear because I can't control. One of my big character defects is control. And I want to control because I'm in fear that things won't turn out according to my will. And that means I'll be hurt and I won't be safe and I won't be able to survive the pain. So what's going on in my life today is that I'm in a relationship. I am completely in love with this man. And I just found out that he, in attempt for career advancement, he has accepted uh, a job that in a town that's two and a half hours drive away from here. The irritable and unreasonable part of me wants to freak out and wants to know right away, right now in this minute, what this means for our relationship. So does this mean we're being a long distance relationship? What's our plan? And what does this mean? And, and bottom line is there's that small Julie again. Oh my gosh. Okay. Why does my dad want to abandon me? <laughs> it all goes back to that. So how do I bring myself back to serene and reasonable? Because now I recognize it when I'm being like that. I have all these tools, right? I called my sponsor and left a message and I know all my slogans, let go and let God. And deep down, I do know that my worth is not based on this relationship. My worth is not based on what this gentleman does. And I, I also know that he loves me. This does not mean that he does love me, even though the irritable and unreasonable part of me wants to equate that. So today I find myself vacillating between my irritable and unreasonable pre-programmed self and my serene recovery self. And it's not easy, a lot of work, but that's okay because in all of this though, I know I have faith and I know for sure without a shadow of doubt that I'll come out of this okay and even be a stronger person. And God has me in his, her, its hands and I'm going to be okay no matter what. Thank you. Well, thanks, Julie. I like the, I've heard this, maybe I heard it on the show, but versus triggered people using the word activated. Yeah, really, Julie was the one who, who uh, brought that word to me. That's great. I mean, that kind of precedes the three A's. Maybe it's the fourth A. First, I get activated, and then I'm aware and accept and have some kind of, you know, some kind of plan. But the first thing is being activated to getting irritable, I guess. Yeah. I like it. I like it versus yeah. triggered, which is a very, you know, I use the word triggered around if I'm talking you know, someone out of program and they just think, eh. like my daughters don't like the word. Like it's very Allen on word, but activated. I'm going to put that in my pocket today. Yeah. I think that works better here too. And I, I've yeah. been saying triggered in this episode, but I really mean activated. I think. Yeah. 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 The other thing that I like about Julie's share here is that she's also talking about some of her solutions. Mm-hmm. For example, the support of her higher power. Let go and let God call my sponsor. I know that my my worth is not based on this relationship. My worth is not based on what this person does. Those are things that I know I learned at least better in this program. I always felt that my self-worth was based on what other people thought of me. That was a big part of my codependency because I had to make other people 
like me so that I would be okay, right? I like the solutions that she talks about also. Yeah, it reminds me of something I've shared before. I heard in a family week, my daughter was impatient. I can love someone and not need them. I can love and not need. And love without losing myself is right out of our gifts or promises. Yeah. Seems to, seems to be addressed by her share. Yeah. Maureen writes, what a great topic. I actually think about this phrase quite often as I catch myself much faster than I used to when I feel that, quote, out of control feeling. I hear myself snap and say something snarky, and it just doesn't feel good. It's not who I want to be. The good news is, is that I now try to stop the negative feelings and behavior before I have to make an amends. Most of the time I can do this. Putting the focus back on myself helps me to know what I need or want. I use the tool HALT. Am I hungry, angry, lonely, or tired? You and Eric talk about the pause button. I ask myself, quote, what do I need to feel better? Quote, I can read literature, journal, call my sponsor or an Al-Anon friend, pray, meditate, or take a walk. All these tools help me to find my serenity again. They put the focus right back where it belongs, on me and not you. Thanks for all your hard work and making the podcast available to so many people. My favorite episodes are the ones with you and Eric. The chemistry you two bring to the topic is magical. Thank you. Kindly, Maureen from California. Hey, you're welcome. Hey, thanks, Maureen. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, I brought this up to my sponsor last week with not even a thought. He said, oh, halt. I said, irritable and reason. I guess, well, that happens when usually when I'm hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. He had the immediate reaction. Yep. I get irritable if I'm hungry, if I'm angry, if I'm lonely, if I'm retired. So that puts words to it, you know. It's not just, ah, I feel like crap, you know, I'm going to lash out. What am I really? Stop. Identify the feelings. What are they? And then we can treat them. If it's just some big, ugly, swirling cloud of anger, I, I can't deal with that. It's too large. I need to break it down. Pretty good. Yep. So you... You sent an article. More stuff, yeah. Yeah, traits of unreasonable people. <laughs> um, can I? Can I just? Can I use names? No. Just, <laughs> no. Yeah. No. 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 Oh, yeah. This is this is really. Funny. And the, the heading says unreasonable people lack the following traits. Yeah. So how how are we when we're unreasonable? Well, we're we're not humble. I'm right. You're wrong. End of discussion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, we did talk about humility, as you note, episode two hundred eight. There you go. Awareness, uh, and again, they say, "I see where I'm right. I see where you're wrong." <laughs> end of story. <laughs> yeah, right. Again, end of story. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Have a shitty day. <laughs> <laughs> they never apologize. They focus on your mistakes, not theirs. They project onto you bad traits then criticize you for having them. Yeah, I mean, hello. Yep. I guess this is the negative side of it, but right. it is something. I mean, here, right, the second one is awareness. Yeah. You know, and responsibility or irresponsibility. Okay, you know? so I just want to say, when I look at these, I can see where I have done this. Of course. I'm right, you're wrong, end of discussion. Boom, okay, been there, done that, got the t-shirt. Yeah. Yep, got the T-shirt. I see where I'm right. I see where you're wrong. Well, I know if you ask my wife, I say that all the time. And she calls me on it because she needs to. 
And then there's, well, if I'm wrong, so what? So are you, which is not taking responsibility. I, I know that I have felt that. And there's the he started it, which is kind of similar, right? <laughs> yeah, that's an endless vortex of nonsensical behavior. Yes. Who started it? My, I go through this with my daughters all the time. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to apologize to her. She has to apologize to me. Well, she started it. Oh, my God. Are we both seven, eight years old again? Apparently. Well, it feels that way. When I am triggered, I'm activated and become unreasonable. Yeah, I've lost my skills. I've dropped my toolkit, and I've become a child. You know, I, I don't want to be that kid anymore. I'm too old. I just thought of something. You said you said something really funny there. I got the T-shirt. I love that. So I'm thinking, you remember, you know, there's the, the comic picture going around. His T-shirt says, I'm with Susan. And across the room of people, her T-shirt says, I'm Susan. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I thought of a new T-shirt. Okay, my alcoholic can wear the T-shirt that says, it's Eric's fault. And, of course, on my back, on my T-shirt says, I'm Eric. Okay. All right. (laughs) Sure. Yeah, that's the way it felt. Take the blame for everything. And then stand up and raise your hand. Yeah, yeah, that was my fault. So, anyway, laughter. That was another episode we did. Empathy, gratitude is the next one down. People that lack empathy, lack gratitude, dominate attack, push your buttons. You know, my sponsor said, she installed your buttons. She knows which ones to push. He made me go home when we're headed to court during the divorce. I was all irritable and very unreasonable and panicked. First of all, he said, did you eat anything yet? And I said, no. You know, it's 1030 in the morning. I haven't eaten, not even thought about it because I'm consumed with what I have to face. So I, I stopped and got something to eat. And then I don't know if he said this or maybe I made it up because it made the story funnier. He asked me what I was wearing. I said, you know, like a, I'm going to court, blue button-down shirt. And why don't you go home and put on a T-shirt? It's got no buttons. And I did. Oh. I went home and took off, <laughs> took off the shirt with buttons. It's got no buttons. Yeah, just a visual reminder. Yeah, you can't push my buttons today. And lastly on this list is reliability or unreliability. I'm not going to change because I'm not wrong. Or they promise to change, but don't. Oops. Sound familiar? Yeah, a little bit, unfortunately, yes. At least these days, I know that I have tools to change. Mm -hmm. We got some more voicemail here. Why don't we listen to Deborah's? Hi, Spencer. This is Deborah in Florida. I wanted to leave you some feedback on your topic on irritable and unreasonable. I think it's a great topic, uh, especially in this time of stress due to COVID and staying at home. I'm on day 110 as of today. And, of course, all the other unrest in our country, there's just so much pain and fear and so many to pray for. And if there was ever a time for all of us possibly simultaneously to run the risk of becoming irritable and unreasonable, it's kind of the perfect storm. So I think it's a great topic. Thank you for doing this. Thank God many of us have Al-Anon so we can use our tools to try and restore our sanity and return to serenity. I went back to review the suggested opening, and even though I speak this opening or I've heard this opening at least two or three times a week for years, I know I don't always really hear it. So I wanted to read the exact language, and it says, Our thinking becomes distorted by trying to force solutions, and we become irritable and unreasonable without knowing it. The key words for me are trying to force solutions. 
I know that when I am trying to force a solution, I am setting myself up to become irritable and unreasonable because my forced solutions never work. No matter how right I may think I am, if I'm forcing something to happen or someone to change, it means just like, look out. It's, I know it's bad behavior on my part. And I know it's happening when I feel this urgent, it's like urgently compelled action. I know that's my self-will, so I have to be very aware of that. Or if it feels sort of easy and natural, it's more likely God's will and my higher power guiding me. So when I feel that urgent, I, I know I'm getting ready to do something that's probably going to result in bad behavior on my part. If I hear myself sort of repeating over and over the same thing, that's another sign to me that I know I'm trying to force a solution. I'm saying it over and over again, trying to get something or someone to change. So I can pause. And I can either not say what I'm feeling compelled to say or not do what I'm feeling compelled to do, or I can say it once and let it go. A counselor years ago asked me to kind of identify the physical feeling I have when my thoughts are going, you know, to fear or negative projection or desire to control. And for me, it's a tightness in my chest and it's a warning signal. I know when I feel it. And I know that I'm headed to a behavior that's probably going to result in me becoming angry, irritable, unreasonable. So if I can stop that behavior when I feel it coming, which is usually forcing a solution, it's likely I'm not going to become irritable and unreasonable. However, I'm not perfect. (laughs) And I will often just go ahead with the behavior and then I do become irritable and unreasonable. If I miss the warning signs and I feel that that has happened, then I need to pause, likely make amends, breathe, meditate, call my sponsor, read my literature, listen to a podcast. In short, I just need to take responsibility for my behavior and change it. Easier said than done, but in the long run, the benefit is, especially to me, I am going to be happier, feel better, have a better life when I live happy, joyous, and serene. I am not going to have that if I'm irritable and angry and frustrated all the time. These are the tools that I use, and the program has helped me greatly with this. And I just need to know what's going to trigger that behavior and then try and catch it before it happens. I can't wait to hear what others have to share on this. I think this would be a great podcast. Thank you for asking for input, and I look forward to hearing it. Thanks. Bye. Well, thank you, Deborah, for calling. And uh, what what do you get out of this one? What did I get out of it? I got yeah. three more episodes you're going to have to take. Oh, jeez. Yeah, force <laughs> versus power. Force versus power. Right or happy? Would you rather be right or happy? And sayings, you know, we already, I think, tagged previously, but I wrote down Utsi Itsu. Can you figure that out? Utsi Itsu. U-T-S-I-I-T-S-U. U-T-S-I-I-T-S-U. <laughs> yeah. I'm not getting it right away. Utsi-itsu. Urgent things are seldom important. Important things are seldom urgent. I just made that acronym up Uh, right as we spoke. Utsi-itsu. All right. (laughs) Moving on. You like the the acronyms there, yeah. (laughs) You think? I mean, I I just, it's it's too hard to remember the whole chapter, for God's sake. Uh, Utsi-itsu, I could probably remember. Piso, I can remember. Yeah. So she talks about feeling things in her body physical feeling i have when my thoughts are going to fear negative prediction it's a tightness in my chest and it's a warning signal 
Yeah, my neck gets all whacked out. I think there's a lot of that. And she talks about forcing solutions. That's that's another thing that can make me irritable. Is like I'm trying to force a solution and it doesn't happen, which she read the, the opening and it says that right there, doesn't it? Right. So thanks, Deborah, for that. That's great. You maybe got some quotes for us here? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, there was tough, tough digging up some quotes, but I did find a couple of worth mentioning. This one's pretty interesting. It's it's really opposite of what we've been saying. Reasonable men adapt to the world around them. Unreasonable men make the world adapt to them. The world is changing by unreasonable men. That's weird, you know. I mean, I don't know what quite he's getting at there, but I think it talks more to someone that wants something to change that has the ability to make that change and does something, you know, to make life better. The, the, the others are more... Uh, more direct. This one is Moliere. He was a French dramatist. Unreasonable haste is the direct road to error. Oh, Unreasonable. Yeah. Unreasonable haste, yes. No kidding. Yeah. Uh, the world needs more dreamers. Unreasonable souls who fight the urge to be ordinary. Okay, that actually plays more towards that first quote that I said. Yeah, said. and I'm trying to, I'm thinking about this. I think that gets to really knowing the difference. Yeah, right. And and courage to change the things that I can. <clears throat> Not settling for something yeah. that's ordinary. The, the theory behind people that are really driven to invent something new or improve on something that we use in our daily lives. This one, huh, funny, I am tough, sometimes unreasonable. I have to catch myself every once in a while. George Steinbrenner. <laughs> I think a lot of people would agree with that. I think, I think some people would agree with George Steinbrenner yeah, occasionally being unreasonable. Yeah, that's yeah. good. Sadness, irritability, fatigue, and distractedness are among the most common side effects of grief while parenting. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and then okay. the last one, my last one here is, what are the physical sensations you associate with hunger? For most people, these sensations include stomach crumbling, headaches, lightheadedness, irritability fatigue and inability to focus. So hungry, hungry, angry, lonely, tired. Yep, yep. Somebody else pointed for that sure. out too. For sure. That's it for the, that's it for the quotes. All right. I got one more voice share that came in from Mary Lou this morning. Hi, Spencer. It's Mary Lou. I have been feeling irritable and unreasonable. And so I thought maybe I should try to write something and see what's making me feel irritable and unreasonable. When I first started going to Al-Anon, I really found some of the language in the steps and the traditions to be kind of overly harsh. And if I had thought that I could skip over that part and come late and still get a good seat, I probably would have. Now, after a longer time in Al-Anon, I actually find listening to the welcome and the steps and the traditions very calming. I think it tells my amygdala that it's time to settle down, that I'm in the right place. Family situation is bound to improve as we apply the Al-Anon ideas. Without such spiritual help, living with an alcoholic is too much for most of us. Our thinking becomes distorted by trying to force solutions, and we become irritable and unreasonable without knowing it. Now, when I hear the welcome, I don't even really focus on the first sentence, which may be as close as Al-Anon's comes to actually promising us anything. I know that when I first came into Al-Anon, I was not at all interested in getting any kind of spiritual help. Now, I actually like the idea of getting spiritual help, and I find that to be a great comfort. By recognizing and admitting that I'm in a meeting to get spiritual help for me, I can put the focus where it belongs, back on myself. 
Living with an alcoholic was always too much for me. In retrospect, I was unable to recognize that it was too much. It's fair to say that when I came in, I never really had any track record of successfully changing anyone's behavior, but I was still obsessed with it. In Al-Anon, I felt like I was in good company among people who often focused on trying to change someone else's behavior. I, I think it's funny now when I look back on it, despite my utter lack of success, it simply never occurred to me to try to focus on my own behavior. I think I come from a long tradition of just trying harder and harder. I think I was also an expert at trying to force solutions and becoming irritable and unreasonable without knowing it in the process. Now I've worked 12 steps with a sponsor. I'm still challenged on a regular basis to become aware of when I either start down the road to becoming irritable and unreasonable, or in some cases I'm just kind of flipped into the situation of becoming irritable and unreasonable, and that can happen very, very quickly. My response to the growing up with alcoholism was, was to avoid, ignore, or deny what was happening. That makes it really hard to try to understand the role that I was playing or to try to figure out what was my part. That now I can see as part of the unmanageability that's described in step one. It's kind of like the fish in Finding Nemo when the big fish asks the two little fish, how's the water, boys? And they look at each other and they say, water? What water? I think I was living in water my whole life and I just really had no idea that that was the case. Step 10 tells us, continue to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. I know now that it's my responsibility to take a regular inventory, which means taking stock of my emotional state and then addressing it. I can get down on myself because I got so good at the avoiding, ignoring, and denying of my own feelings that it became almost second nature. Even now, I usually get just a nanosecond's worth of a feeling that something's not right. I am a little bit better at identifying patterns. So when I get that first short-lived feeling that something's not right, it could be anything. I could be criticizing or judging someone else in my head, thinking that I wish that person would do something else other than whatever it is that they're doing. And I've now had enough experience in Al-Anon that I can recognize it's never about the other person. It's always about me. So that's one sign that I'm getting irritable and unreasonable is wishing that someone else would do something else, for me wanting to change another person's behavior. I also use the acronym Hungry, Angry, Lonely, Tired, because I know that those things can still sneak up on me before I know it. I know that I need to do daily self-care to ward off the potential of becoming irritable and unreasonable. For me, that takes the form of eating healthy, exercising, going to meetings, talking to other Al-Anon members, and my sponsor on a regular basis, writing, meditating, sitting with my feelings, and reading literature. I still wish that I was better at it. I don't even really know what that means, except to say that this process that I'm just describing now still feels very slow and laborious, and I wish I were, I just, I just wish I was better at it, but I do know that I'm recovering. So anyway, thanks very much for listening. Thank you, Mary Lou, for your share there, because I think, I feel like that Sums it up pretty nicely, you know? Yeah, see a lot of good tools in there. Yeah. Why don't we take a little break here with we have a musical selection, which you can listen to on the website. And you you wanted to pick uh, Fine Young Cannibals, She Drives Me Crazy. I think this is a great pre-program <laughs> uh, 
song. Yeah, what do you think? Yeah, I do. Oh. I do. Oh my God. Well, you know, I, I've been saying this a lot in the last few meetings. No one can drive me crazy unless I hand them the keys. <laughs> yeah. So this song, I can't stop the way I feel. Things you do don't seem real. I can't get any rest. People say I'm obsessed. I won't make it on my own. No one likes to be alone. She drives me crazy. Like no one else. She drives me crazy and I can't help myself. The difference is, yes, I can. I'm not going to be eaten by any fine young cannibal. I don't care uh, how fine they are. I'm not going to be eaten by anyone anymore. I have boundaries, and I can walk away instead of get being driven crazy. <laughs> In this section of the podcast, we talk about our lives in recovery. How have we experienced recovery this week? Uh, Eric, you want to talk about your week? Oh, uh, sure. I didn't bring my journal with me this morning but it's been you know zoom meetings every day i think i mentioned to you that i found a meeting about i don't know a month and a half ago that was a face-to-face meeting nearby in the town of westport connecticut that met every morning at 7 30 they call it the early bird mm-hmm. and i couldn't obviously get up there it's 20 miles away at 7 30 in the morning on i-95 would not have been possible so it was a fairly small meeting But now that that meeting is a Zoom meeting, every single morning, 7.30 to 8.30, it's about 60, you know, 50 to 60 every morning. And every day but Tuesday, it starts with the three three daily readers. Tuesday is the step or the tradition of the month. So, yeah, I've been doing that a lot. I led yesterday. Today's the 5th, yeah. Yesterday, 4th of July, you were on it, I believe, the Freedom and Independence episode. Yeah. I think you told me later you, you recycled some material from uh, one of our episodes. Oh, of course. Freedom. We did about, I don't know, six months ago. I don't remember when. And you used the reading from yeah. Alateen Daily Reader. Exactly, for the 4th of July. Yeah. Talked yeah. about independence. Oh, that was actually the 4th of July reading from, from It Alateen. was. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Yeah. Episode yeah. 241, for those of you who... Want to go listen to that one again? Yeah, so I led on Freedom yesterday morning. You were on the call. You were out for a hike, and you put your phone in your pocket and hit the unpause button, right? Somehow, I, yeah. <laughs> so, as I was continuing my opening share, I kept seeing your face pop on my screen, because every time you took a step, your rustle of your... pocket would activate your microphone and your face kept popping on the screen so and your phone was in your pocket so i couldn't you didn't see that in the chat room as people were saying hey man mute yourself and then i texted you and maybe you saw that anyway it was funny very irritating i'm sure it was irritating yes yes it's all good not no big deal and let's see what else this week i've been a step meeting today this morning that was on tradition one we do the 12 and 12 book we're starting on traditions mm-hmm. and during the week what else you know meetings my typical meetings so good week good week okay well here i am i talked about the conversation i had with a coworker, where i said i get impatient and then i get irritable and i react and this is something i'm aware of but i don't always manage to prevent myself from doing it he said some things back about things he has trouble with that I'm not going to break, you know, his anonymity, but 
I think we got a little deeper with each other, which is good to get a little more real with, with the coworkers because I think, you know, work gets a little more fluid and you just work together a little better when you understand each other better. At least that's my experience. So it was not a comfortable conversation, but I think it was a good conversation. As you said, yes, I, I joined in the 7.30 morning meeting on Saturday and somehow when my phone was in my pocket, it unmuted and I still don't understand how that happened. I mean, every time I would put it in my pocket, I, I would like flip it to safe driving mode, which is supposedly mutes the, the phone and the, the, the audio and the video. One time I pulled it out and it said, press here to stop speaking. I'm like, oops, <laughs> you know, oops, oops. Yeah, and that is the second time that has happened to me with that meeting. Maybe you weren't there the other time it happened. The other time it happened, somebody actually spoke to me. I think the person who was maybe doing the timing or something said, Spencer T., could you please mute your phone? I'm like, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> she actually, said, that's probably- it's okay, it happens. It happens all the time. You know, it's just it's a new world, so yeah, you're forgiven. But, but coming back to our talk, I get irritated when other people don't mute, right? And so when I when I don't mute, then I, I have the self-blame. Yeah. Oh. Which, oh, maybe an upcoming topic here. We'll oh, talk about that in a minute. I just wrote, I oh, just yeah. wrote that in yep. before you said yep. it. How about that? Okay. And then my 9 o'clock Saturday meeting, so I had two meetings Saturday morning, one at 7.30, one at 9, was uh, step 11, prayer and meditation, right? I always don't really know what to say when that, that step comes around because it's always like, yeah, this is something I should be doing better. <laughs> I think in my step study group, we were talking it we were in the step 11 chapter and and one of the people in the group said something about having 5 minutes without words so i've been trying to practice that like if i go out for a walk with the dog and i forget to bring my phone my first emotion is a little bit of panic oh my god i don't have my phone what am i going to do without my phone i can't listen to my podcast cuz i don't have my phone and then now, my second thought is, okay, I can have 5, 10, 15, whatever it is, minutes without words. Take it as an opportunity. Maybe it's not quite meditation, but at least it's not filling my head with something outside of me so that I don't have to sit with what's inside so I consider that to be progress. I dare say the sentence was rather poetic. <laughs> Whatever you just said sounded pretty good. Five minutes without words. Yeah. It's an easy thing to remember. Like, oh, you know, I don't have my phone. I can't listen to my podcast or whatever, but I can have five minutes without words. How novel. So that's what I got. I got a couple more shares from Melina, one about staying in a relationship or not, and one about what it means to work the steps. So, Stay or go. Stay or go. That was, yeah, she's working her way through the episodes and, and sharing as they move her. It's an interesting look for me back. Hi, my name's Alina. I just wanted to share on episode 78. It was the episode on whether to stay or go. And I really liked this topic only because I guess when I first came into the program, I didn't know that there was that 
choice whether you could live with an alcoholic and still be happy and content or not. I just figured you're either there and it's miserable and you leave. And that was a difficult thing for me to understand. But knowing when I came into the rooms, when I could hear other people sharing and just how they seemed to find contentment and serenity and they could still enjoy their life and still love the addict or alcoholic in their life was just, I don't know, it just seemed like a a beautiful thing only because these people that are in our lives that maybe these addicts that have issues, I mean, I've never really judged them as being bad characters, bad people. They have a disease and it's obviously nothing by choice. Sometimes it doesn't seem that way. Like in the beginning, I also thought why if they loved me or if they loved themselves or if they have a good life, I don't understand. And but it did take a lot of reaching out to people, reading, getting a sponsor to understand that. And also to understand that it's not mine to fix. It's not mine to try to change it or control it. And all I can do is basically be in the moment and take care of myself and focus on self-care and stuff like that. One of my qualifiers is my husband. And for a long, long time, I didn't really know that he had a problem. I mean, he always kind of talked about it, like I'm an alcoholic. And I just, just kind of downplayed it only because he was nothing like my, my alcoholic father when I was growing up. That to me was an alcoholic and it was bad. It was not anything that I would want anyone to witness or anything like that. And so to me, I didn't see him in the same category, but as it progressed, I could see that obviously it's not like my dad, but it's still an alcoholic, but I love him and I care about him and he loves me and we built a great life together. And by the grace of God, for reasons unknown, we're just We work through things and we get through things. I mean, the struggles are there still, but we're able to work through them. I think that finding myself and Al-Anon and working the steps obviously have helped me to better myself. And then I think that there's just more a more calm feeling about things that happen in my life. And it's not always that way. I do struggle still with anxiety and wondering and worrying and all that, but I think I can catch myself and, and realize that I have tools and I have friends that I can talk to and I can get through these things. I really liked the two different sides of whether to stay or whether to go. And I was just really grateful for the topic and I appreciate you guys being there. And I thank you for the podcast and thank you for letting me share. I wanted to share on episode 79 about working the steps. I guess one of the questions I was reading in the little topic description too, that I guess when I first came into the program, I wasn't really sure about the steps. And after reading them, they just sink in deeper and deeper. And I realized that I can relate it not only to me being able to cope or maybe have some tools to help me get through some tough times with my qualifiers, but also to help me in day-to-day life with friends and coworkers and just dealing with stuff with family also. I know that 
when I heard people sharing about the steps and working them, I wasn't really quite sure. I know that we discussed the steps and they would have slogans that went along with the steps. And I know that the one, two, three waltz was like brought up to me a few times by my sponsor and other members when I was struggling or dealing with a certain situation. Remember one, two, and three, that's to me has always been like the foundation of the steps. And I know all the steps are important, but those seem to always stick out to me. I don't know if it's just keeps me in check and keeps me in the moment and not so anxious or worrying about a certain situation or outcome. It, you know, helps me to let things go. But I know that when I started working the steps with my sponsor, I know that it seemed like, like I wanted it to be perfect. I wanted things to be thorough and I, I worked him through the book and questions in the back after each chapter. And I know that the first step seemed like it took me a a long time and I felt like, oh my God, it has to be perfect. I've always been like that, even with schoolwork or any type of project at work, it has to be perfect. Like this is final. And I had to get over that thinking. And for me, writing them out has been what I like to do best. I know everyone's different and some people type them out. I like to hand write them out and just break the question down and just kind of whatever I'm dealing with at that time in my life. And also I kind of reminisce about things that how it helped me in the past, but I also try to just focus on what I'm dealing with right now when it comes to answering the questions. And right now I'm currently getting ready to review step 11 with my sponsor and then I'm going to be on to step 12. I don't know when I go back and read them occasionally, I'll be like, who is that person? And what was she saying? And she's so strong and she seems so confident. I don't know. It just feels good to know that I've made some progress because sometimes I feel like I'm stepping back sometimes and not always on my game, I guess. I appreciate the topic and I hope to keep on listening. Thank you. Bye. So thank you, Alina, for that. And let's look ahead. Got a couple of topics that I hope are coming up that have been suggested. And one of them, which we just mentioned, self-esteem, self-blame, self-criticism different sides of the same coin or something, I think. Do you find it easier to list your faults than your strengths? Are you always ready to take the blame? Do you feel like a fraud? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Yeah, I think you suggested that, right? It was while I was watching the movie Goodwill Hunting. Oh, right. Oh, my God. I, I had to turn it off. I've seen the movie before. But, oh, my God. When the therapist, Robin Williams, approaches Matt Damon, is this incredibly gifted you know math um prodigy but he was abused badly by his father i gather during this entire time robin williams is treating him a scene where robin williams slowly gets up and starts walking towards matt damon and says it's not your fault and he shrugs it off you know goodwill will hunting shrugs yeah i know he keeps approaching him with another step and he says it again it's not your fault. He's like, why are you doing this? What's, you're doing this? And he says it again. And he moves now into his personal space. And he says, it's not your fault. Until they hug, embrace, and the kid breaks down. He has he has a, a breakthrough moment. And I had to shut it off. I broke down crying. It was so powerful. That's the inspiration for the title of maybe the episode, It's Not Your Fault. 
Yeah, that's yeah. incredibly moving. The scene is just uh, anyone who hasn't seen it and is in program, I think, will be moved uh, to tears. I was. Yeah, so there's a, a powerful topic idea. I think I've gotten a couple of email shares on that. And if you've got something you want to say, you want to share with us, please do. Yeah, self-criticism, negative self-talk. I mean, that's all kind of it's all there up here. You know, there's a lot of readings on blame. There's not much on negative self-talk. It's just too long a phrase, but it's all in that kind of umbrella of yeah. idea. Yeah. Another topic idea listener asked a few weeks ago about how we can combine recovery and activism. And she writes, how can recovery, the serenity prayer, and the traditions of Al-Anon guide us during these times? Again, I've gotten some some shares on that already. I'm looking forward to, I think a couple people have have said, hey, I'd like to do an episode about that. Cool. And so right. we got that coming up too. Love it. And if people want to send us shares or feedback, Eric, how do they do that? You can call and leave us a voicemail at 734-707-8795. Call right now, 734-707-8795. You can also use the voicemail button on the website to join the conversation from your computer. You can also send a voice memo or email to feedback at therecovery.show. We'd love to hear from you, share your experience, strength, and hope, or your questions about today's topic or any of the upcoming topics. If you have a topic you'd like to talk about, let us know. And uh, our website, as you may have guessed by now, is therecovery.show. We have information about the show. We have notes for each episode, including links to the readings uh, or links to the books that we read from, I guess, more precisely. Videos for the music. In this case, links to a bunch of related episodes and also to the articles that we talked about today. We'll take another little break before looking at the mailbag. You chose a song here by Pink called So What? Oh, yeah. The first Fine Young Cannibals was a was a, a layup. But this one, it's just really funny. I mean, Pink is just so amazing, an artist. And this one, I mean, you if you watch the, the YouTube, the video, she is just really pissed off, man. <laughs> She's like walking around with a big chainsaw. Na, 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 You know, and she's just angry, pissed, irritable, and really unreasonable. I guess I just lost my husband. I don't know where he went, so I'm going to drink my money. I'm not paying his rent. I got a brand new attitude, and I'm going to wear it tonight. I'm going to get in trouble. I want to start a fight. Na, 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 na. <laughs> it's very funny. I like it. She wants to start a fight. Yeah, I don't want to start any fights. You know, I don't. I just, it's more powerful to walk away. Yep. Yeah, it is fun. It's a fun, it's a fun song. Fun song. A little bit of feedback this week. There's more in my inbox, but I'm going to ration it a little bit here got a couple emails about the music at the beginning of the episode on patience and tolerance. The music was too loud and, and you couldn't really hear us talking. I apologize for that. I usually try to listen after I've mixed it all down to make sure that that doesn't happen because it does happen occasionally and I've caught it. I didn't catch it this time. So I have fixed it. If you've got the episode downloaded to your phone or your computer or whatever, you'll need to download it again if you're playing it streaming 
from from the website or I don't know. I don't know about Stitcher. It shows up in Stitcher, and and I don't know how whether that will get refreshed or not. But uh, again, apologies and thanks for letting me know. So when I screw up, you know, when I'm wrong, I want to promptly admit it. And this one took me a little while, but but it's there now. Listener wrote, "Hello, I'm overseas and found a phone-in meeting in Lawrence, Kansas. This person was asking about." Al-Anon Agnostica meetings, and I hadn't heard of that. But anyway, she, she says, I found a meeting in Lawrence, Kansas, and a meeting in Boise, Idaho, that would necessitate me waking up at 4 a.m. because of the time zone difference. Are there any other Al-Anon Agnostica meetings that you might know about? There are plenty of AA Agnostica, but in the main, they don't speak to me. Thank you so very much. Yeah, so I wasn't really aware of Al-Anon Agnostica. It um, apparently is, is Elanon for agnostics and atheists. I think they replace the God language. I heard a conversation with a guy who runs an AA agnostics meeting or AA atheist meeting, you know, because the, the 12 steps are still valuable, even if the God language really, you know, but no, I don't know. So I'm putting it out there. Google knows about Elanon agnostica. Well, there's the Agnostica, it's AA Agnostica, Elanon Agnostica. So there's a website for it. Hello, my name is Lisa, and I'm not an alcoholic. I am, however, the daughter, the ex-wife, and the mother of alcoholics is how this uh, page starts on, on aaagnostica.org slash Elanon Agnostica. So anyway, if, if you're listening and you know of online meetings that can help um, our listener who really doesn't want to get it four in the morning to to call into a meeting, I guess, which I can understand that. Please send email feedback at therecovery.show and I will forward it. Also post it on the online meetings page on, on therecovery.show slash online. Bernice had a little story of using recovery principles recently. Bernice writes, I went back to work this week. I was driving to work and this lady was crossing the street when I had a green arrow to turn. My first thought was, I can't believe this lady. What is her problem? What a bee. <laughs> Irritable and unreasonable here, huh? My first I, yeah. I, Yes, let's kill her. My next thought was, <laughs> wow, what if she didn't realize that she did that, or maybe she didn't see me? I was overcome by compassion for her. My sponsor told me later that day that we are not responsible for the first thought that comes to our head, but there is so much growth when we can see the other person struggle. I'm still trying to apply this in my relationship with the alcoholic in my life, but it's progress, not perfection. And I just want to say, like learning to apply these principles to somebody that you don't have a deep emotional connection with is sometimes a lot easier. And it makes progress towards learning to apply it to the alcoholic in my life, my children, whoever it is. It's sometimes a lot easier to apply it to a stranger than, than somebody I love. I I sometimes think about that. You know, my daughters want me to honk the horn, and, and their mom's behavior is really aggressive in the car. A lot of people, you know, in the car is a great litmus test for using these tools in all our affairs. And the way I've kind of done, I very rarely, if ever, beat my horn. Really, how important is it? The person's not accelerating fast enough or didn't change lanes when I wanted them to to let me pass. So I, I kind of, a long time ago, kind of imagined, what if I pulled up alongside this person? I was about to flip on the bird, you know, like a lot of people do. And I see it's this old blue hair grandma. She's just trying to get to the grocery store. You know, she's having trouble with her blinker. What do I, I? Really, do I need to scorch earth 
this person. <laughs> no, they really do not. Maybe How not. Is it? Maybe yeah. not. Doesn't uh, doesn't help anybody. Yeah. So Kate has a related story, I guess. Uh, share anyway, dear Spencer and Eric. Thank you for episode 333 on patience and tolerance. When you were talking about practicing patience by standing in the longest line at the store, I was reminded of a pre-COVID-19 practice that I like to use. I had also heard the suggestion about standing in the longest line at the grocery store to practice patience. The first time I did this, my three kids were with me and I chose to stand in the longest line. One of my kids said something to me like, why are we standing in this line? That one's shorter. I responded, I know but we're not in any kind of rush, so let's stand here. In disbelief, one of my kids said, we're not? (laughs) (laughs) Hearing you and Eric talk about this reminded me and made me laugh. I can still see the surprised expression on my kids' faces. Thanks again, Kate. Yeah. You know, sometimes you got to be a little crazy to use this stuff, and, and that is one of them that I still sometimes do. It's really hard, but you know, it practice it and it helps for me. And of course, these yeah. days there's a lot more lines to stand in. I was smoking some ribs yesterday for 4th of July and I was out of wood chunks. So I had to go to the ACE to, to get wood chunks. And of course, I get there. You're roasting, you're roasting ribs with wood chunks? The animal? You're, you're burning animals? No. Oh, wood chunks. Chunks. Oh, that's much better. How much wood would a wood chunk chunk? (laughs) Yes. Okay. Oh, those Um, are some tasty ribs. What do you use? A little furry animal. Yeah. Smoke them. I'll tell you what, you know, if I caught one of those, I might. (laughs) Smoke these ribs with uh, chipmunks. Yeah. Really tasty. All right, continue. Yeah, so I get to the hardware store, and of course, there's a line to get in, because that's how it is these days. and. Yesterday, as today, was hot and sunny. The line is out there in the parking lot or along the edge of the parking lot. And I'm, I'm standing there and, you know, waiting my turn and just being patient. The person who's letting us in is like, you know, you can go stand under the overhang here if you don't want to be in the sun. I'm like, no, I'm okay. I'm fine, you know. And somebody came out and I was like, oh, she's going to let me go in now. And, and she didn't. And I think the person who came out was an employee, so he didn't count. So I got a little bit impatient, but I was like, no, I'm just going to wait and I'll get in when I get in. I'll get my hickory and and then I'll go uh, smoke my ribs. And I did. And it was yummy. How were they? They were good. Go. Yes. Uh-huh. All right. An anonymous listener writes, Dear Recovery Show, I'm new to Al-Anon and came to it in crisis. Since April 3rd, I've had intense fear and anxiety. I'm working my hardest to get healthy again. I'm listening to your show on the recommendation of just about everyone in Al-Anon. I'm listening to the April 10th, episode 327 podcast, which was about fear. That was the episode I did with Barb about fear. And anyway, the listener continues, I want you to know that I completely identify with the living under a bridge fear and thought process. I need to get rid of that and try to live for today. This is the first episode I've listened to. I feel sick listening to it and have such anxiety, but I'm making myself listen to it a second time. And there will probably be other times I will listen to it because I feel there's good learning in it. I thank you for doing this. And and thank you for writing. I, I think we're helping. Sounds like maybe we're helping. Go listen to some of the episodes about positive topics, too. That's that's my my suggestion. <laughs> yes, I, I, I remember talking in that episode about my fear of 
you know, we're going to go broke and get turfed out of our house and we're going to be living in our car under a bridge somewhere, which was a totally unreasonable fear, but it was still there. Do you believe? Go listen to that one. That's yeah. a lot of miracles. A lot of the miracles that happen in recovery are just as likely to happen as the catastrophes. Do, yeah. do you believe? It was December a year ago, a year and a half ago. You just pull these things out of your head. I just, <laughs> wow. Well, kind of I, filing cabinet there in the back of your brain. Huh? With this stuff I do because it's important. All right. And, and you and I did it. I mean, we spent, I spent weeks preparing for that one. Yeah. Okay, we got uh, one more uh, thank you note from Sam. She writes, Spencer, I've listened to your podcast since 2017 when my son had just graduated high school and gone to treatment. He was half the country away, and the recovery show helped to keep me sane. My mother, who has 40 years sobriety and her own program, was shocked by my serenity and level of acceptance. Greater than her own, she admitted. Your podcast was vitally important to my well-being. Then and now, the messages of your show are so often the God shot that I need, and on nights when I lie awake in my bed unable to sleep or rest, your voice and Eric's can soothe my anxiety like nothing else. Admittedly, my program waxes and wanes, but you're always here when I need you. Honestly, the meetings here in my small southern town have always been challenging for my crazy schedule. Your post that shared all kinds of available virtual meetings is just what I need. Thank you again, Sam. And, and thanks for writing, Sam, and letting us know that what we're doing here matters to people because that helps us to keep going, doesn't it? It does. It helps us to wax on. Yeah. All right. Your last song you picked. <laughs> you just, you just uh, were on a roll here with, with the music for this episode. Uh, By Helen Reddy titled Leave Me Alone. Oh, yeah. You take this one. The chorus, leave me alone, won't you leave me alone, please leave me alone, now leave me alone, oh, leave me alone, please leave me alone, yes, leave me, leave me alone, won't you leave me alone, God, leave me alone, just leave me alone, oh, leave me, and this is like the essence of my irritability sometimes, just get the F out of here, okay, I am just, I am one hot mess, and leave me alone, so yeah. Says it all. All right. Thanks for, <laughs> thanks for those songs, Eric. All right, man. Thank you for listening, and please keep coming back. Whatever your problems, there are those among us who have had them, too. If we did not talk about a problem you are facing today, feel free to contact us so we can talk about it in a future episode. May understanding, love, and peace growing you one day at a time. 